Last week, Chris really did a, I thought, such an exceptional job last week of laying a foundation in this new series called We Are. We Are. And I thought it was really outstanding. And he spoke to us about the value of having values, isn't it? That he, that he, he was, to, and that we can't overemphasize the importance of what we value the most. Because what we value, firstly, it, de it determines the decisions that we make. What we value determines decisions that we make, influences our directions, and establishes who we are as people, that what we value. And another word for a value, for, for what we value, is treasure. And Jesus said it so simply, remember in Matthew chapter 6, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also where your treasure is, so where your wishes are, where your desires are, where that on which your life centers, that which you value the most, that's where we give our most attention, isn't it? I mean, if you've got a fantastic uh, car or something, hey, Steph, you've got a great car, he's interested in cars, but he, that's not where he spends all his time, okay, that's not what I'm saying, but he, that's what he likes, that's his value, and that's where his interest goes. And, um, but where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In fact, the message says, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be, and end up being there. That's why you're here today, because this is where your treasure is today. And in Romans chapter 8, we see throughout Romans 8, the, um, the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of walking in the Spirit, rather than gratifying the things of the flesh. So, so we, we value, he talks about valuing the things of God, and in Colossians 3, he says, set your mind and keep it set on things above, because these are the things that we value, and what we value will determine our outlook. What we, what we value will be determined by, will determine our outlook, it will shape our outlook. And today, in all the congregations of Family Church, we are all doing the same value, just this one week, where we're all sharing this most important, it's the most important, it's the most, it's unchanging, it's foundational, and it's the most important value that family church is based on, and that is that we are Christ-centered. We are Christ-centered. We're committed to keeping Jesus and his kingdom at the center of our lives and the church. We've been Christ-centered. And that's what this message is going to be about today, about being Christ-centered. And we look at our, our foundation scripture is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. And the Apostle Paul says, Now therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, you're no longer outsiders, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, excuse me, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, like that song we've been singing, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together 
for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. And, you know, the Apostle Paul here is using an analogy of a building to describe this foundational truth that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And a cornerstone is the foundation stone or the, the, the first stone that is set in the construction of a building. That's the cornerstone. And it's normally, it's in a corner, okay? That's why it's called a cornerstone. And all the other stones are set in reference to this cornerstone. And Jesus, and what Paul's saying here is that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the building. He is the foundation. And we, the body of believers, are those living stones. You know, Apostle Peter talks about it, that we are living stones. And so we're those living stones that are, that are joined to that cornerstone. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians that says that you are God's building. You know, church isn't about a building that we go to. Church is about a body of believers like this this morning. We are God's building. And if we go back to verse 21 in that scripture, I love this. He says in, in, in Ephesians 2, he says, look at the, look at the, in verse 20, sorry, sorry, Johnny, verse 19. He says, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Notice they're all plurals, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. There's one household. Amen. That's the household of God. Yeah. But we were once strangers. We were once aliens. We were once alienated from God. But now we are members of one household, the household of God. Yes. Christ in us. You know, the Bible talks about how Christ in us, the hope of glory. But that's Christ in us as individuals, but also corporately. So we're talking about being Christ-centered in our lives as well as in the church. Okay, verse 22, he goes on and he says, I love this, sorry, 21, sorry, Johnny, I'm really messing up the numbers today, sorry, thanks for keeping me on track. Verse 21, he talks about the whole building, that's us, we are God's building being fitted together. We're being fitted together. And then after 21 comes 22, it says that we are being built together. We're being built to, together. So we are one body, one household of God. But we need to come together like you have today, like we have today. Be built together with him at the center. That's the key thing. With Jesus at the center. That's the most important part of it all, is that Jesus is at the center. You know, when they used to build these old stone walls or these stone buildings, if you took out one of those stones from the middle of the wall, the whole wall would collapse. In fact, I think it still stands to this day. And that's why Jesus says, no, the apostle, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, sorry, I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but he said, let us not forsake let us not neglect the gathering together, the coming together, the fellowshipping of the saints. It's so important. We're not called to isolation. And I'm speaking to the choir today. But we call to relationship 
together. Iron sharpens iron. Hey, isn't it so important? But we, the living stones, are being fitted together. We're being built together. And as we do, we, we, we grow into a holy temple in, in the Lord. In fact, one translation says, a temple in which God is quite at home. Where God feels at home. If God doesn't feel at home in this place, we need to shut it down now. Okay? But I believe that he feels at home. That we, we value him. We treasure him. And that's why we do what we do, because we value him, because he is our treasure. We value him and his kingdom. So in Acts chapter 4, we'll see the scripture. In Acts chapter 4, we'll see this capstone thing, the cornerstone being repeated, verses 11 and 12. It says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders. This is the apostle Peter speaking to the, the, the unbelievers at the time, and he's saying, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. He's talking about Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And then he makes this statement, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no other name. In salvation only in the name of Jesus. This truth, it's non-negotiable. It's fundamental, it's foundational, and it will never change. There is no, there's no salvation in any name other than the name of Jesus. Jesus says it like this in John 14, 6. Chris quoted it earlier. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said these words. I love that. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's not saying I am a way, a truth, a life. He says, no, I am the way, the only way. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only way, the only life that leads to the Father. And that's why we value him. That's why we value him. He is our treasure. He is our treasure. You know what? There are other ways. There are other ways, other truths and other lives which do exist. But they don't lead to the Father. As a child of God, God is our Father. God is our Father. He's not just a distant, uncaring God. He's our Father. And we come to God the Father through Jesus, free of guilt, like we were singing earlier, free of guilt, free of shame, no sin, no judgment, because Jesus has paid the price for us already. All throughout the Gospel of John 14, 15, 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he is about to go to the cross. That's what's going on in John 14. Jesus is explaining to the disciples that he's going to make a way for us, for the disciples, to get back to God. And the same for us. We were separated from God by our sin. Our sin was the great divide. That's what separated us from God. You know what? Sin doesn't just make you bad. Sin makes you dead. And I looked up what the Hebrew and the Greek word is for dead. Do you know what it is? It's dead. Dead is dead. 
Sin separates us. We are spiritually dead in our sin, separated from God. And Jesus didn't come to the cross. He didn't go to the cross to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's what, that's what the new birth is about. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus came to make us alive in him to God. He came to bridge that gap through the cross of Jesus Christ. He laid down his life, went to that cross for your sin and for mine. He, he became sin. He didn't just... He didn't just pay the price with his life, but he became sin. Your sin and my sin was, he took it on himself. He took it on himself. And by doing so, he made a way for us to get back into union with the Father. He said, I am the way. I am the way. Jesus is the only way. And I'm sorry that I'm really emphasizing this, but it's foundational to our belief. Jesus is the only way. He didn't say he'd show us a way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say that he'd teach us the truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say that he'd offer us secrets to life. He said, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what? Sometimes we can go a little bit off track. I don't know if maybe I'm the only one because you look very pure out there today, but just great. <laughs> but I know this message could be for me as well. You know what? But sometimes we go a little off track through life. And you know what happens? I don't know if, I'm sure most of us nowadays, we all have a sat nav. So when we're on a journey, we put in our postcode and we think we know better than the sat nav. And we say, no, the sat nav says, go left. No, I'll go right. I know the better way. There's a better way. And we go off course. And what happens? The satnav reroutes. Yeah. It says rerouting, rerouting, yeah. and gets you back on track again. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. When, when, if, we go, if we go slightly off centre, if we go off slightly on a little bit of a journey, yeah. away from Jesus, reroute. Find your due north. Yeah. Jesus is our due north. Get back on track. Jesus is the way for our salvation, and Jesus is the way for our lives. There is no other way. We love him. We value him. He is, he is our treasure. He is our cornerstone. And as such, let's keep him at the center of our lives. Let's keep him at the center of our lives. Let, we are Christ-centered. He is the one in the center of our lives. Colossians chapter 3 Verse 17 says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do some of it in no. the name... Oh, do some of it? No? Whatever you do in word or, do, or, in word or deed, do all. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Whatever you do. And then a little later in Colossians 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Do it heartily. Do it enthusiastically. You know what? We're blessed this morning, John, 9 o'clock this morning. Him and his two kids out here 
setting up with such a good attitude. Thank you, John. We and, and Andrew. Sorry, I can't just name one person. But and Andrew and 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 the others that have also come. But you did it enthusiastically. I never heard one word of complaint. It was wonderful. As do it as if your soul depends on it. Do it. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as pleasing to God. Give off your best in in being Christ-centered. So we're being Christ-centered. We're committed to keeping Jesus and His kingdom at the center of our lives and our church. So we're going to start first and foremost with our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I like what the message says. It says, steep yourself. Saturate your life in God reality. Saturate your life in God reality. Sometimes we, we become so spiritually minded that we forget, actually, God is real. <laughs> he is real. And steep yourself in that reality, the reality of God, the reality of God. But we've got to remain connected to the vine. First and foremost, our relationship is with God through Jesus Christ. And in John 15, he says, stay connected to the vine. This is so important. This is key. This is how we keep Jesus at the center of our lives, that relationship, that relationship with God. Intimacy with God is paramount. It's paramount. Jesus often withdrew into the lonely places to spend time with the Father. It's so important. If Jesus had to do it, we how much more we need to spend time with God. So first and foremost, to be Christ-centered in our lives, spend time with the Lord. Next, relationships with others. Here we go. Uh -oh. <laughs> this is the challenge. Okay, so... If you're married, if you're married, keep Jesus at the center of your marriage. Whether you've got a good spouse or a not so good spouse, the onus is on you to do the word you know, okay? The onus is on you. You make the difference in your marriage. You make the difference. And if both are Christians, then both do it. You know, Chris and I, we've been married, praise God, for 25 years. And, um, and I love him. My, he's my favorite husband. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love him dearly. But I've got to work at it, and he's got to work at it. it doesn't, we don't both wake up in the morning with goose flesh and hearts pounding. I mean, it happens a lot, but not all the time. And then I've got to be a little bit more actively involved in this marriage. You know, it's not hard work. It's just doing the word. It's loving my husband, respecting him, honoring him. And him, he loves me in return. So, relationship, the way we raise our children, the way we raise our children, put, make, be Christ-centered in the way we raise our children, in the way we honor our parents. This is for young and old alike. The way we honor our parents um, it, keeping Christ at the center in the way that we honor our parents. The friends we keep, the friends we keep, who's influencing who? Who's influencing who? Don't think that you're so strong in, in a, in a, in, as a Christian that you're safe. You know, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good, com good character. Bad company, you need to discern, is this person good for me? Who's influencing who here? And if they're not good for me, then walk away. 
Walk away from bad relationships. Keep Jesus at the center. Keeping Jesus at the center in our jobs, in our careers, when we go to work, when we go to school. Do your colleagues know that you're a Christian? Do you share your faith? Do you encourage people in, in, to, to come to know Jesus? What a perfect opportunity in the workplace. Gosh, they're like sitting ducks. They have to listen to you most of the time, isn't it? So it's wonderful. Make the, make, take advantage of it if you're in that, in that situation. How's it, this is another one. How do, we, how do we keep Jesus at the center of our lives? In our giving. In our giving. You know what? Everything that comes into our bank account is his. He's our provider. He's our source. And we need to give back to God what belongs to him, the tithe. It's his. It's his. We give it to God. Give what belongs to him. And how else do we, do we make sure that we are keeping Jesus at the center of our lives? In our conversations. In our conversations. Is God at home in your conversations? Does he feel comfortable at home in your conversations? Whatever we're doing, doing we do it heartily as unto the Lord. In Acts chapter 17, we, we read an account of um, the Apostle Paul who was preaching to the religious Greeks and I love the way that he, he's trying to reach these, these very religious Greeks, and they've got thousands of gods, little g. They've got thousands of gods. They're very religious and set in their ways. But in order to reach them, he quotes a Greek poet. He, he quotes a Greek poet. And I love that, that he's all things to all men, the Apostle Paul. And he says in Acts 17, 28, he says, In him, in Christ, we live and move, and have our being. How do we keep him? How do we keep Jesus at the center of our lives? We, in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. We live, that, that, that talks about the Zoe life, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, that we have abundant life in Christ, true life. I love the fact that Jesus in the midst of John 14, 15, 16, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. He's about to go, he's about to die. And he's encouraging his disciples and saying, I start talking about life. He, sa he says, in, in Luke's gospel, he says, he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's the God of the living. I don't know what it is sometimes when people get around Christians, they get a bit nervous I don't know, sometimes, you know. We've got one particular neighbor. And the minute I go there, they seem to, they start talking about dead people. They start talking about this one's died, that one's died, and the detail of how they died. And it's almost like I must be interested because I'm a Christian. But I'm sorry, God, God is, yes, I, I, I'm sorry, and I feel empathy and sympathy and compassion. But Jesus is the God of the living. God of the living. He came to give us life and in its abundance. Ah, oh, I love that. In him we move. We move. We move. Not just um, physically. He, he gives us physical strength. He gives us spiritual strength. 
We read about it in Isaiah. He says, he, give, he, he, he gives strength to the weary, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. So he gives us physical strength. In him we move, he gives us physical strength, he gives us spiritual strength. But he also directs us in the right direction. In him we move, he moves us in the right direction. If we'll follow his leading, if we'll follow him, he says, I will guide you with my eye. When, he, when, he's, when there's, a, there's a bad movie, that's coming on, and it's like got a 21 age, I don't even know if there is such a thing anymore, 21 age restriction, maybe it's 18 or 15. We don't watch them anymore, we can't. God said, we just know, mm -mm, don't watch it. Don't watch that movie, because it's not gonna be good for us. It's not gonna be good for us. So, he will guide us in the right direction. In him we live and move, and we have our being. And you know what, I looked up that, that, that expression, I thought, we have our being. Do you know what it means? In him, we are. We are. It's like the series, we are Christ-centered. We are, and we read all those values last week. You can see them on the website, by the way, all our 12 values. But in him, we are. We are who we are because he is at the center of our lives. That's why we are who we are. That's why we are like we are. Because he is at the center. If we allow him. If we allow him. If we invite him to be at the center of our lives. Do you know, Jesus wants to be actively involved in every area of our lives. In him we live. Being Christ-centered determines decisions we make. In him we live. In him we move. He, being Christ-centered influences our directions. And in him we have our being. He establishes who we are. He establishes who we are. So we're going to be Christ-centered. We're going to be committed to keeping Jesus at his, and, and his kingdom at the center of our lives, in every area of our lives. And church. Let's, let's go down nitty-gritty now. Talk about the church. I love this. From the top all the way down in family church, and I know other churches as well, but I'm speaking for us at family church, we are Christ-centered. We are Christ-centered. There is accountability, first and foremost, between family church, and we belong to a group of churches called Assemblies of God. So we're part of the AOG, and there's good accountability. They don't dictate vision, they don't dictate doctrine, but there is accountability between us and the AOG. We also have, at Family Church, we have a team of elders, and all the pastors are accountable, including Pastor Andy Elms, the senior pastor. We are all accountable to the elders. There is accountability. There are no free agents. Yeah. We are not out here on a limb doing what we think is right and best. And I like that. There's protection, there's safety in that accountability. So that's just the leadership structure. We look at the outreaches that we do. We, we you know, go down to Portsmouth sometimes. It's busy, it's busy. You go down there on a weekday, when, when like on a Tuesday, when all these food hampers are going out. The hall is packed with hampers, hundreds, not hundreds, 
tens, 60, 70 hampers, and we're aiming for 100 a week going forward. But whether it's baby basics, whether it's providing a Moses basket to a mother that has need, baby basics, tots and toys, messy church, movie nights, no matter what we... The, the, this Jesus is at the centre. The end game, the objective, is always seeing lives touched and changed by the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. Sunday services, from set up to pack away, and everything in between. It's about being Christ-centered. It's about being Christ-centered. Whether you're on the hosting team, whether you're on sound and AV, thank you, Johnny, we thank you, we're grateful for you. Whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, Christ is at the center. Whether it's giving, whether it's even receiving the word, whether it's preaching the word, Christ-centered. He's got to be at the center. And I'm coming into land now. And all God's people said, sure, thank goodness for that. <coughs> but Colossians 1, 15. I love the scripture. It's very wordy, but it's beautiful. Mm. Talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He says in John's gospel, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things consist and he Jesus is the head of the body who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have preeminence Jesus is the head of the church he is the head of the body of Christ. The church is the family of God, and Jesus is at the center. It's not a, like a, a, a pyramid. The, 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 the leadership structure in the church is not, Jesus is above the name, above every name, but Jesus is at the center. He is the cornerstone, and we are connected to him, the living stones. We are connected to him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's walked where we've walked. He stood where we've standing. He's been through everything that we can possibly face. He's not a distant God. He's not high and lofty at a distance watching down. No, he's with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And I'm really going to close right now, but I just want to read you this this little poem thing that I found this week, and it says this, when God created a fish, he communicated to the sea. When God created trees, he communicated to the earth. When God created a man, he communicated to himself. He said, let us make man 
in our image and in our likeness. If you take a fish out of the water, it'll die. If you take a tree out of the soil, it will die. When a man is disconnected from God, he dies. God, Jesus, is our natural environment. We were created to live in his presence. We have to be connected to him because it is only in him that life exists. Water without fish is still water. But fish without water is nothing. The soil without a tree is still soil. But a tree without soil is nothing. God without man is still God. But man without God is nothing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's stay connected to the vine, that living, this Christ-centered life. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Let's just...